Hello, everyone. Welcome to Imperfect Action with Brock Edwards. And today, my guest is Alexander Karouf. Uh, Alex, did I pronounce your last name right? Yeah, this is, yeah. You've you've had some practice. I can tell. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, uh, I, I was looking at the spelling and I shouldn't have done that cause that'll throw me. Um, what is it? K J E R U L F. I think. Very good. Very good. It's very, it's weird. It's Danish. I can't help it. I was born. All right. <laughs> but it's very distinctive. And, uh, well, let me just have you introduce yourself here, Alex, and then we'll, we'll get into the conversation. Sure. Um, I am Alexander Kyov. I'm the chief happiness, happiness officer and founder of a small consulting company in Copenhagen called Woohoo. Um, and we make people happy at work. Um, for We've been doing that for 15 years now. We just had our 15th uh, company anniversary. Um, and basically what we do is we travel the world and we do uh, speeches and workshops for clients uh, around the world on how to create happy workplaces. Um, and there is a huge interest in that, in, in, in that right now. Um, we are, uh, in fact, can I, can I brag for a second? Absolutely. Okay, so in two weeks, I'm speaking in Canada for the first time, and that'll be the 50th country we've spoken in, which is, a, uh, I had uh, Australia last week for the first time, that was number 49, and then Canada will be country number 50. And that is just awesome. Um, and, and yeah, it's so cool to see uh, that, that you know, more and more countries and more and more companies around the world are realizing that that it's it's important to be happy at work, and and, and more and more businesses are trying to become happy workplace, and, and we try to help them. So uh, maybe you can clear up a kind of a, a contradiction in my mind here, and uh, it, it is based on stereotypes and a little bit on, on experience. But you know, when I, I see two things going on, so one, whenever I see polls of like happiest countries, a lot of them are the Northern European, Scandinavian countries. Mm -hmm. And yet, when I think of the the stereotypical Northern European, Scandinavian, uh, it's it's much more stoic. Sure. Um, and so, how how do those pieces fit together? Oh, there there's a, there's actually an easy explanation for that, and that is that um, all of those studies that put the Scandinavian countries at the top are not really studies of happiness. They are studies of life satisfaction, which is obviously related to happiness, but it's not the same thing. Uh, when you do a life satisfaction study, uh, you, you can ask people about a lot of things. You can ask, you know, are you satisfied with your financial situation? Are you satisfied with your social life? Are you satisfied with your job and so on? And maybe sort of the, the overall question uh, in, in the, these sorts of surveys is, um, you know, on a scale from one to 10, all things considered, how satisfied are you with your life? And that's where Danes and Swedes and Finns come out with an average of maybe 8.3. Uh, which is the highest in the world. But uh, there's another way to measure this. And uh, Gallup actually do this once a year, uh, sorry, uh, once every other year, where they actually measure people's emotions. So they will call a thousand people in each country and ask them about their day yesterday. How often do you, and ask things like, how often do you experience positive emotions, like joy, curiosity, interest, happiness, and so on? And how often did you experience negative emotions? And then you can sort of draw an emotional map. And what you find is that, uh, for instance, the Scandinavian countries are characterized very much by an absence of negative emotions. You don't see a lot of negative emotions, but you don't see a huge amount of positive emotions either. Uh, whereas the happiest countries, the countries that actually where people actually experience the most positive emotions are all Latin American or Central American. 
there are countries like Costa Rica, uh, Mexico, um, and a lot of these countries. So, um, so that points to an interesting distinction between satisfaction, which is more of a rational evaluation of your current situation, as opposed to happiness, which is much, much more about your emotional state over time. You know, do you experience mostly positive emotions or mostly negative emotions? So, so doing that, and they actually just a month, uh, one month ago, they came out with the most recent uh, report for, for uh, based on the data from 2017. It's absolutely fascinating. And, and they can find that some, some countries are characterized by a lot of emotions in general, both positive and negative, countries like the Mediterranean countries. Um, and some countries are characterized by very much an absence of emotion. And some char- uh, countries are characterized by a lot of positive and very few negative emotions. It's, it's fascinating research. Okay, yeah. So that that helps with the distinction that, you know, satisfaction being more just the absence of negative and happiness being more the presence of positive, I guess. Yes. So 50 50 countries. uh, So this isn't just like there's one sad country out there that needs your help. (laughs) Uh, You know, this is a global thing going on. Oh, yeah. yeah. So and I, I know, you know, just looking at your website, it's not like, you know, small companies you're working with. You're working with, with some of the biggest and some of the well, most well-known companies. So when do they call you? Do they call you when it's like, wow, this is just a pit of despair? Or do they call you when, you know, we're doing good and we could just dial it up a bit? It's a little bit of both. Uh, it's a little bit of both. I mean, a lot of our clients are doing fine already. And they have realized that being, you know, having happy employees is really good for their business. They're doing it. They're focusing on, on it already. They just want to be able to do it even better. Um, and then, of course, we also work with clients who are in trouble, uh, who, you know, maybe they just had a huge uh, layoff or maybe, you know, they're, uh, the, the, the organization is changing. Maybe they're merging with another organization that's causing a lot of problems. Uh, maybe they're insanely busy. Uh, it's, that's actually an interesting challenge is, Companies that are so successful that they're now really busy, and that's making employees uh, stressed and unhappy. So it's a little bit of both, I would say. Um, and and of course, the way we approach it, uh, approach it is quite different, depending on whether it's uh, uh, somewhere they're already doing fine or somewhere where they have actual real problems going on right now. And do you tend to work... Um mainly with the organizational level or do you get down into the individual level helping the you know the individual employees be happy versus helping managers create a happy environment we do both um we do both and 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 i think it works best when you do both you know where we we often get the question you know so who's responsible for creating a happy workplace is it the managers or the employees and the answer is of course yes it is um, it's, it's both, right? <laughs> um, managers are hugely important for creating a happy workplace, but they cannot do it alone. Uh, you, you can't swoop in and make other people happy if, if they are not part of the process, if they're not actively engaged. So, so I would say that in, in all the organizations we work with where, where this has really had the most of an impact is when we've done both. When we've, we work with, you know, with HR and top management and managers to see what what they can do in sort of more of a structural managerial level. But we also work with employees to engage them in the process because each and every one of us, you know, no matter what position we have in the organization can actually uh, make a huge difference for our own happiness and and, and for those around us. Um, And that's when it really works. It's when everybody sees themselves as part of this process and are actively engaged in creating a happier workplace. 
It's, that's basically our motto is that happiness at work is something we do. Uh, it's not from values or white papers or the processes. It's something we actively create each and every one of us on a day-to-day basis. All right. So uh, I guess this is the bigger question then, Alex. Um, how do I do that? <laughs> like like yeah. if I, I'm, I'm the employee. I'm responsible for you know, my happiness and uh, even the bits I'm not responsible for. I've, I've still got to live through it. And so it's yeah. to my, my advantage to figure this out. Yeah. How do I get happy? Exactly. And that's, I think, that is, that is the million-dollar question right there. And it's not what most people think because a lot of people, if you ask them, so, you know, what do you need in your workplace to be happy? A lot of people will point to things like, of course, compensation. Uh, a lot of people will point to things like perks. Uh, I want to be happy at work. I need uh, free fruit. I need free food. I need a gym in the office and a massage. And that'll make me happy. And, of course, it won't. Uh, the research is very, very clear on that. Uh, so I think it requires knowing what it is that makes us happy at work. Uh, and, and our model is, of course, that it's about results and relationships. I think it, when you look at all the research into all the amazing research that's been done into what makes us happy at work, it really comes down to what we call results and relationships, uh, doing great work together with great people. Uh, results, you know, being good at what you do, making a difference, and then relationships, uh, being accepted as a human being in, in, in your team in the workplace. And, and what's so cool is that, that those two things we can all be a part of creating, you know, if, even if you're, even if you're just a perfectly regular employee in a team somewhere in the organization, you can help yourself and your coworkers get better results, uh, do better work, uh, find more meaning in your work. And you can create great relationships with, with, with those around you. That's, that's something each and every one of us can, can definitely do. And, and what's so cool is that this is actually quite simple. There are, there, are some, there, are, there are some quite simple and, and easy ways to do this that don't take a lot of time and don't require a lot of budget or, or actually any budget. All right. So you, you already anticipated my next question. So, so what are some of those things we can do? Oh, man. Oh, man. That, and that's, that's, that's you know, what we really try to teach people. So uh, just a few, few examples off the top of my mind. Uh, positive feedback is definitely one. Uh, praise and recognition is shockingly rare in workplaces around the world. Um, so, so if we can give that, you know, if, 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 if I, as a manager or, or I, as a, as a, as an employee can always be looking out, uh, to the people around me and, and notice their good qualities and the work they, the good work they do, and then tell them about it. This is, um, again, very simple to do, but incredibly powerful and creates both results and relationships. Um, so, so this idea of, you no, know, just go up to a coworker and say, Hey, I really enjoy working with you. You're so organized. Uh, you may my, make, make my work so much more fun and easier. Or, you know, as a manager, go up to a, an employee and say, Hey, I noticed the way you handle that project. I just want you to know that I really admire the way you do it. Um, I, I admire that you're so creative and innovative in your approach and you got a great result out of it. Great work. Um, that is quite simple, incredibly powerful. Um, one that I really enjoy and that I've seen work so well is uh, what we call random acts of workplace kindness. And this is where you do something nice for someone else at work, just out of the blue, something that surprises them, something they're not expecting. Uh, you can try this. Um, if you're getting yourself a cup of coffee, why not get a cup of coffee for some one of your coworkers who didn't ask for it? Just, oh, you know, right here, I got you a cup of coffee, too. Here you go. 
or tea or whatever that person drinks. You, you got to know them, right? Um, and, and that little gesture can actually make people really happy. Uh, somebody, uh, uh, somebody from Lego, uh, famous Danish company, and one of our clients uh, just shared a video because uh, last week he had actually booked a string quartet to play in their uh, in their cafeteria during the lunch break, right? Unannounced, out of the blue, and nobody knew it was coming. You know, you go down to lunch, and there's a string quartet playing in in your in the cafeteria, and, and that little thing may have made a lot of people really happy. Something they they talk about. So, random acts of workplace kindness is, is is really crucial. And just to mention one more that I'm that I'm absolutely crazy about, and that is, uh, I, this is going to sound so stupid, but saying good morning. <laughs> and 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 the reason I mentioned this is that, of course, you know, many people are so. Uh, feel really busy at work these days. So a lot of people will come into the office, they'll go straight to their desk, sit down and start working. Um, and what we actually suggest, and, and which, which seems to work really well, is that you take the time to actually say a friendly, cheerful good morning to your coworkers, to your team members. Um, and this is very powerful for creating relationships. This actually just shows, you know, I'm, I'm excited to be you know, looking forward to my workday with you. Um, let's have a great day together. Uh, this is especially powerful when, when managers do it with their employees. So these are, um, uh, these are, these are some of the things that are proven to work that, that, that we've seen work really, really well in, in organizations around the world, things that anyone can do. Yeah. And I, I can imagine this you now you, you'll have to correct me if I'm off here, but I can imagine this even just creating a little pocket of happiness. So, and, and, you know, these are easy to combine, show up, say good morning, have an extra cup of coffee, say something mm -hmm. nice to the person. Um, you know, to me that as you start building those relationships, even if the workplace isn't good, I can imagine that starting to affect the, the team level or just the people around us level. Yes, and, and that actually points to a very interesting distinction here, uh, which is the distinction between sort of those, you know, if you want to create a happy workplace, there are absolutely things you can do at sort of the overall organizational level, right? So, you know, as, as, as top management in a big company, you can set a good vision, a good mission, a good strategy, good values, uh, good processes, and, and all of those big hierarchical structural things definitely need to be in place, and, and they really, really matter, but they are not all that matters, you know, the, 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 the sort of at, at the local level, you know, how we treat each other in the team, how we act towards each other as individuals, as, as team members, as coworkers on a day-to-day -day basis, how, you know, how local managers treat their employees also has a huge effect. And that, by the way, helps explain why you can have these pockets of happiness, right? Why in, in an otherwise not very happy organization, you can have teams where people just love to work. Uh, or, by the way, the opposite, <laughs> in an otherwise pretty good workplace, you can actually have teams that are absolutely horrible, mm. um, where everybody hates to work. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so this, it, 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 go, it just goes to show that, that while those big organizational things absolutely do matter, the local stuff also matters. And that's, that's interesting because the local stuff is easy to change. You know, changing a company's vision or strategy or values that's a big project. That, that'll take a lot of time and effort. But changing the way we interact in our project, in our team, in our group, that's actually something we can do pretty much from day to day. And that's why, that's why I actually think that level is really, really interesting and really powerful. So backing up just a little bit, you, you had mentioned that, you know, the, 
the company gym, the ping pong tables, the bonuses uh, don't lead to happiness. And yet I'm, I'm guessing no one ever says, you know, those things make me sad. I, I, I get <laughs> well, you'd actually, you'd be surprised. You'd be surprised uh, because what, what uh, here's an, here's an example. Uh, so in, in, in Danish workplaces, it is, uh, there's a very strong custom that you get a Christmas present from your workplace. Okay. And it's usually something pretty nice. Uh, uh, Danish workplaces can actually give up to, uh, up to about a hundred us dollars, um, you know, a, a gift of a value up to a hundred us dollars tax free. Right. And, and most companies will go to that limit. So it can be six bottles of really nice wine, or it can be, you know, a, a fancy vase or a set of steak knives or whatever. Right. So this will usually be a really nice present. And you know what happens in most Danish workplaces? Hmm. People complain. I, I, I went to one of, the, one of the biggest Danish workplaces, a big pharmaceutical company called Novo. And, and some of the employees there were like, you know, every year we get these six bottles of red wine. I hate red wine. I prefer white wine. This sucks. Uh, yeah. So you'd, you'd think people would be happy about these things, but often they actually just lead to more complaining because they're not what makes us happy. Um, yeah. So, so no, there, there, is, there is not a lot of happiness in that. In fact, there's often quite a lot of unhappiness in all those things. All right. So I, I'm a little dumbfounded there. So <laughs> that's my pause. I know, I know. And, 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 it's, and it, it just goes, and, and it, I think it points to the, the biggest weakness. You know, if, if you're trying to create a happy workplace with, with all of these perks, right? If you, what happens is you're essentially trying to buy happiness. Um, and so I spoke in Hong Kong two weeks ago and, and there was, there was a female CEO. She was a uh, former CEO of an Australian bank in Hong Kong. And every year they did a survey where they asked their, they asked their employees, so what do you want now? And, and you know, those things like free fruit or maybe, you know, smoothies or whatever. Right. And every year they asked for a massage chair. <laughs> and every year she said, no, you're not getting a massage chair. It's, it, that's not all make you happy. Um, and, and here's the thing. Whenever you're trying to make people happy with those things, you can give them everything they ask for. And what, what are they going to ask for next? More. Whatever, whatever perk you try to add, people will just ask for something else next because those are not the things that make us happy. Um, and then, you know, people get accustomed to the gym in the office and then they want massages. Then they get accustomed to massages and then they want a swimming pool. And, and even if you gave them a swimming pool, they just get accustomed to that. It won't make them happy. It's just there. And they will be looking for the next thing. In fact, they will probably be complaining that the swimming pool is too small or, or too much chlorine in the water or whatever. It, it, it won't work. It can't work. It's, it's a waste of time and money. And, and, uh, and, and companies need to stop doing that. So if that doesn't lead to happiness, do those things at least lead to satisfaction? You know, the absence of negative. Well, or... they, they, yeah. It, it, and I'm not saying we can ignore all of those things. And especially from a hiring perspective, you know, if you're, if you're Facebook um, and you're trying to lure employees away from all the other, other you know, high-tech companies in the U.S., from Google and Twitter and so on, you know, and they all have massages and swimming pools and gyms and laundry services you may need to offer all of those things in order to lure people away um, and attract people to your organization um, and also if, if every other company in your country in your city in your industry has all of those things uh, 
and your company does not, it can create a perception of unfairness that will make people unhappy if you don't have those things. So I'm not saying we can ignore them. Uh, they, they, we may need to offer them just to avoid that unhappiness, that, that unfairness, feeling of unfairness, that, that dissatisfaction. But once people are in the organization, once people are working for you, what makes them happy is not those things. Nobody, nobody's going to go home today and say, oh my God, I had the greatest work day. I had 10 minutes in the massage chair. Uh, nobody will ever, ever do that. What makes them happy, again, is results and relationships. Doing great and meaningful work together with great people. That's where we need to focus. Um, and, and all that other stuff is mostly a distraction. It's, it's a very expensive distraction. <laughs> okay. So, so at best, it may have some value, but uh, won't lead to happiness. I mean, we can't expect that piece from it. It may, nope. it may do it something, but it won't do happiness. It can, it, it can help attracting people in a, in, a, in a tough competition for the best talent. Also, because when you're outside the organization looking in at it, it's very easy to check off and say, yeah, we have laundry service. We have a gym in the office. We have whatever. Uh, but once people are in the organization are actually working there, it's, it's not what makes us happy. Okay. That's about results and relationships. Okay. Interesting. So, well, let, let me turn a little here because, so you work with a lot of companies and individuals to help create the, this happiness at, at work, but you also do this other thing called quit your crappy job day. In fact, I think it's international quit your crappy job day. International quit your crappy job day.com. <laughs> yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So it's actually, you know, uh, if, if, if you as an employee want to be happy at work, and you're stuck in a workplace that's just really horrible, toxic, and unhappy, uh, maybe the best thing you can do is just get out of there. Just quit and go work for somebody else, uh, for a different company that actually appreciates you, that treats you well. Um, and, and what I've noticed is that there is a huge social stigma attached to quitting. Um, and, and, um, and, and people will go to great lengths to, to not have to quit. Um, and, and it's interesting because I've talked to a lot of people who quit their jobs. And so many people told me, you know, I quit my job last year. The only thing I regret is not doing it sooner. You know, I should have quit a year earlier or something. I've never, ever talked to somebody who said, I quit my job last year. I, I should have stuck around for six months more. You know, I um, was uh, talking to someone this a couple of years ago, and they worked for a government agency. And we were just chatting and I asked how long they'd been there and they said 21 and a half months. And I said, wow, that's kind of an oddly specific number. Um, <laughs> so I, are you enjoying it? And her response was, no, you know, I, I really don't like it here. I was like, okay, so, well, what, what keeps you around? She says, well, at the two year mark, I, I stand a chance of getting able to come on permanently. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that makes very little sense. <laughs> I, I I couldn't figure it out. And so um, I guess I'm looking to you and your travels. Why do we do that? <laughs> yeah. I, th I think, I think here, here, I think there, there are several reasons. First of all, quitting is scary, right? You know what you have. And even if you, if you don't enjoy it very much, you know, you know what you have, you don't know what you're going to get. And secondly, there is this massive social bias against quitting. Um, maybe it's particularly in U.S. culture where you get things like, you know, uh, winners never quit and quitters never win. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, or, or where, you know, everything is uh, quitting is seen as a sign of weakness, which I just think is stupid. Uh, just uh, uh, yesterday on LinkedIn, somebody posted a video of a, a runner, a relay runner, 
who had broken her leg on, on her part of the run. And then she decided to crawl the last 200 meters with a baton so she could send, you know, the, the race was lost for them already. But she's crawling on hands and knees uh, towards the, the, the next runner so she can pass on the baton so she can finish the race. And, and on LinkedIn, this was actually held up as a positive example. Look at that amazing girl crawling on a broken leg so she can continue the race. And I think this, this is just indicative of, of, of how, how strongly we are, we have this, this social bias against, against quitting, against stopping. You know, I think if you, if your leg is broken, stop running, um, uh, get, get medical help. Right. Um, so there is a massive social bias against, against quitting, uh, which is stupid because, you know, it's, it's, Every single one of us at some point will end up in a job we hate. It would be, you, you'd have to be pretty lucky to work, you know, decades in, in, in your career, in your industry, and never once end up in a, you know, working for a, a terrible manager in a toxic culture or whatever. And if you do, you know, quit, get out. Um, and, and quitting is not a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. It's a sign that you've taken responsibility for your own happiness at work, that you've taken responsibility for your career that you've decided you will not be treated badly, um, that you actually deserve to have work you enjoy. And, and that's what we try to inspire people to do. So, so on uh, March 31st, every year is International Quit Your Crappy Job Day. Um, and and we, we usually get a lot of buzz every year around that date. Um, and and if, you're, if, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my God, March 31st is so, uh, so far away, I hate my job. You don't have to wait to quit. You know, any any day can be International Quit Your Private Job Day. But on the website, there are actually a lot of great resources um, and inspiration on how to quit. And um, and there's also a test you can take, ten easy questions that will tell you if maybe if maybe it is time for you to quit. Now, what keeps people now? I, so I have this theory here, and, and tell me if you agree or disagree, or if, if I'm way off that. You know, a lot of times, perhaps we're, we're not, we end up in jobs we're not happy with because we don't actually know what we want. Yeah. And so when we, when we leave that job and go on to the next job, it seems like the probability is high that if we don't know what we want, then we're just going to end up in another crappy job and waiting for the next March 31st so that we can move on. Um, <laughs> how how can people and, and I don't know this may be outside your area of expertise, Alex, but how can people kind of figure out if I'm going to leave this behind? What should I be going toward? Yeah, and I think you're asking exactly the right question, which is what should I be going toward? Because a lot of people, if they're you know if they're they're leaving a job they hate, trying to get out of that, they they have a very clear picture of what they want to get away from. But that, that, you know, that, that is not, that's not a very good uh, compass because it's not enough to know what you're getting away from. You have to know what you're going towards, what is you want to achieve. Um, and I, I think that the best way to figure that out um, is to look at previous positive experiences from your career, right? So go back to the, you know, the, the, the coolest project you ever worked on or the best team you've ever been a part of or the best manager you've ever worked for. And try to figure out what was it that worked for you in each of those situations. Um, and and this, is, this is very much based on appreciative inquiry, which I think is a, a fantastic, uh, fantastic tool. Um, and then, then try to figure out what was it that worked for you in each of those situations. And then, you know, from there, you can form a positive picture of what you are looking for in the future. 
and 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 again and again, I I would be willing to bet that when people look back to those positive experiences, this will have very little to do with you know massages, massage chairs, and and a gym in the office, and much more with doing great work that that was valued, that was meaningful in teams where people actually treated each other well. Yeah, it does seem that if the massage chair is the absolute highlight of your day, you are probably in the wrong job. Yes. <laughs> so um, I'm going to change gears on you here a little bit more, Alex. And one of the things that that I know about you, you know, every time I open up Facebook, you are in a different country, a different place. And yes. so, and this is getting away from happiness at work and just more of, what tips do you have? Because near as I can tell, you're always in a different time zone. You're always in a different country, um, rarely at home. And, you know, that that's always hard because that disrupts, you know, your sleep patterns, your eating habits. You know, restaurants always serve you really good food, but not maybe not waistline friendly food. <laughs> um, about and, and, you know, hotel gyms are notoriously bad um, mm. in, unless you just enjoy broken treadmills. Um, so... Yet you are in really good shape. You are every, every time I see you, you know, just pictures. Obviously, you're not posting the sad pictures. You know, it's always upbeat. Uh, you, you look like you're having a great time. Um, I've traveled internationally a bit, and I know how brutal that can be. Just trying to convince your body what time zone you're in, and that kind of kills the will to eat healthy and exercise. So, um, at least for me, how do how do you do that? How do you create this lifestyle habit that? Um, despite all the travel and everything you've got going on? I've, well, for me, it's at least it, it, it comes back to answering the question again, what makes me happy? You know, what, what is a way to do this that I actually enjoy? Mm. Um, and I, can, I, I can tell you what I don't enjoy is, is flying halfway around the world. Uh, and, and, you know, you get to the airport, you go to the hotel, you go to the conference venue, do your speech, then you go back to the hotel, back to the airport and back home. Um, that, that I hate, right? So, so one thing I do because it works for me is I make sure to have some time wherever I'm traveling to, to actually see the, you know, see the place and eat the food and smell the air. Um, so that's, that's really important. I was just, um, I just did four speeches in Hong Kong and two in Sydney. And, and what I actually, I actually made sure that I had a week in Hong Kong and a week in Sydney. Uh, so I actually, you know, again, got a good experience out of the thing and could meet some interesting people and, and go to all the cool places. So that, that's one thing that works for me. Um, Exercise-wise, uh, I got addicted to CrossFit, like so many other people. And the cool thing is that you can find CrossFit gyms anywhere on the planet. Uh, whatever city you go to, they have CrossFit there. I, was, I spoke in Beirut. There's CrossFit. Uh, I spoke in Suriname in, in uh, Latin America, in South America. There's CrossFit. Um, and it's actually a lot of fun to go to, to those gyms and, and do a good workout and, and discover how similar, you know, the CrossFit community is all over the world. and It's always nice people. Um, and, and as for the time zones and surrounding the, the travel um, and, and all the, the time differences, the answer for me is coffee. Lots and lots of coffee. <laughs> I could not seriously... Uh, uh, I, I run on coffee, um, and, and yeah, especially good coffee. Uh, and of course, just in Australia, where they invented the flat white, and that is not my new favorite coffee. Uh, but it, I think it really comes back to that, that one question is, again, how can I do this in a way that makes me happy? 
right? Instead of just saying, okay, here's the next trip, here's the next trip, here's the next trip. I got just got to get through it, just got to get through it, just got to get through it, because that is just not sustainable. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and what definitely also one final one 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 thing I really focus on is is to not travel too much. Uh, I know it looks like I'm all, always on the road. I'm not. I also have uh, stretches where I'm just at home enjoying myself here. Um, and, and that, that's also important. Uh, but again, it's, I think at least for me, what I do is I take my own happiness at work seriously. It is a priority for me to, to actually enjoy what I do. Um, and, and I think it all comes from there. And also if, if I didn't, I would be a massive hypocrite, right? Mm. If, if I was out there talking about the importance of loving your job and I personally hated what I do, right? Uh, how, how, how awful would that be? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, Alex, this has been, been fabulous. Um, you know, yeah. love, love your energy, love your approach. Um, in fact, you know, I, like I say, I was asking just kind of out of my own personal interest about the travel, but I mean, you've, you've definitely tapped into a much deeper thing that we can all be focusing on in some way of asking and answering that really important question. How can I arrange my life to maximize my, my happiness here now, now and, and that doesn't mean everything's going to be happy. Like you say, you know, you still need the coffee to run <laughs> to, to, to get yeah, up and get definitely. going, you know, it, days more than others. It, it, it's not all perfect, but really how can I consciously do what I can to, to kind of control those things, to influence those things. Um, so it gives me a lot to think about. And I'd love that. Well, and I, and I think this, and I, and I do think this is a really important point. Uh, and, and, and doing this, uh, focusing on your own happiness in that way is not it's not selfish it, it's not naive it's not you know it's not uh, it's not superficial it is actually incredibly important because when you are happy you can do a, you know you do better work that that's what we know from the research that people who are happy who enjoy what they, they do are more productive and more creative and so on and actually and actually get better business outcomes and also, when, when you are happy and you actually enjoy what you do, you are a better parent, you are a better friend, you are a better family member, you are a better citizen. In many ways, you are a better person, a better human being. Um, so, so this idea of focusing on, 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 on my own happiness uh, in life and happiness at work, is, is, it's not selfish, it's not naive. Um, and and it's it's something that that I think we we all need to take. Like I said, it sounds paradoxical, but take happiness seriously, because it is it has such a huge influence on, on everything else. And 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 by the way, just I'll just end on on my my favorite finding from from the happiness research is that of course the the best way for you to be happy is to make other people happy. Mm. And we know that from from so much research that when we do nice things for ourselves. It only makes us a little happier, but when we're out there doing nice things for others and making other people happier, it actually has an even larger influence on our own happiness. Um, and, and remembering that, uh, I think, is, is, is the key to living a happy life is that it's, it's, it is about happiness. It's not just about your happiness only. It's about making other people happy. Well, you know, it's interesting because that directly ties back to those three tips you, you gave uh, of praising, doing random acts of workplace kindness, and even just saying good morning. All of that is about the other person. It really, it really is. Happiness is not an individual pursuit. It's not selfish. It is, it is very much a social project, a social process. Well, two quick final questions for you then, Alex. One is just, you know, 
Where can people find you? And the other is, how could listeners help you? What a great, what a great question. <laughs> I think the, the, the best way to follow our work is to go to our blog, which is at positivesharing.com. One word, uh, positivesharing.com. Um, and we, we are constantly updating there, uh, that and putting up videos and articles and links and, and interesting stuff there. There's also a newsletter completely free that people can sign up and, and get. Um, and the best way, the, the very best way people can support us is, is it's, it's very simple. Do something awesome in your workplace to make yourself somebody else happy and then tell us about it. If, if there's one thing I love is hearing what works. Uh, you know, yeah, I, t- I talked about the string quartet at Lego. Um, that was awesome to see and, and there was a video and everything, right? So if, if you do something cool to make yourself or your coworkers or your team or whatever happier, and, and then tell me about it, send me an email, find me on LinkedIn um, and, and tell me about it there. That, there's nothing that makes me happier. Um, so that, that would be amazing. Please do that. Excellent. Well, Alex, thank you so much. Thank you, Brock. Hey, thank you for listening to Imperfect Action today. Let me know what your favorite takeaway was. What, what are you going to take from the show and put into action in your life right now today to help you move forward? Hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. I'm dying to hear how is this show helping you to move forward? Now, one of the things I want to mention was that today's episode was brought to you by Nutrafit. Now, I tried Nutrafit's whey protein supplement after meeting the founder and hearing about his journey and his commitment to quality. I like to support up and coming businesses, so I gave it a try and I was really amazed at it. Now, I've had a lot of different protein drinks, but what made Nutrafit different is one that it mixes immediately and also that the chocolate flavor actually tasted like chocolate. You know, so often they taste that like some kind of chemical engineering science project rather than just like food. And on top of that, Nutrafit has no artificial sweeteners, colors, or preservatives. Plus, it includes probiotics, and I find it to be easy on the stomach. Now, the true taste test of it all is that my teenage daughter even likes it. She often has a shaker cup in the morning just on her way to school. Now, there are a lot of supplement brands on the market, but I do want to mention that Nutrafit happens to be my personal favorite. And as a listener of Imperfect Action, you get 15% off of any order. When you're at checkout, after you've picked out your products, just use the code TAKEACTION. And that's written as one word, just take action at checkout. Now, my personal favorite, and I'm not trying to influence you here, but is the double chocolate whey protein. And you can order right on Nutrafit's website. That's N-U-T-R-I-F-I-T-T. There's two T's in there. So Nutrafit.net. And let me know what you think.